Chris, did you hear? No, hear about what? Dude, I'm going to an actual casino, not just the one on Grand Theft Auto. Oh, Lord, do you have a problem? I may have a problem, but guess what? I'm bringing real money into it, baby, and we're going to be bringing money home. Well, I think we need to have an intervention. This is how your gambling has hurt me. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I hope you have fun. But anyways, I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And this is the Dota Box Podcast. Come on, Red 27! Alright, Micah. Well, aside from uh, being able to go to the casino, uh, it's episode 27. How you feeling? Like I have a gambling problem. JK, JK. But... I'm feeling pretty good, man. Well, on a more serious note, I just want to say um, the day that we're recording this uh, was an unfortunate day. There was another school shooting, unfortunately, in a in a Texas community not far from us. So we just want to say uh, from our hearts over here, uh, we hope that, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with the families and uh, I hope everybody is doing OK. I know it's a very tough time for everybody. Yeah, it, it really is a, a difficult time. I mean, it, it, it's at an elementary school and like, you know, me working with kids, like it hits my heart uh, really, really heavy. And so um, it, it takes me having a lot of uh, grace and compassion to uh, just to understand why. I mean, we won't understand why, but we're praying for those families. Our hearts are with you. Um of course, it's, you know, there's going to be a grieving process, but just know that uh, we're here with you and uh, in spirit. So uh, anyways, so our first segment is the old fashioned donut, which is a story from our past. Now, let me uh, precursor to this story. This was like actual my first uh, secular concert, like my first non-Christian concert. I had kind of been to Christian or Christian concerts before, but like this was my actual real first concert. So it was actually Micah's, I think his 17th birthday. And so his parents decided to take him to go see a band named Blackberry Smoke. And they were kind of, uh, I would say, what, rock? Is that what they were? Southern rock. So it's got, uh, it's rock with kind of a country twang, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, it was actually in two hours uh, away down by Atlanta, and I was pretty excited about it because we had heard their music, and their music is pretty good. They're called Blackberry Smoke, uh, if you want to go check them out. I don't think they've come out with anything new, but I haven't really recently followed them. Uh, they have. Uh, the sounds changed a little bit, but still good stuff. I would go check them out still, but they're they're pretty good. They've come out with some other stuff. Basically, they are these guys with long hair and beards. They're kind of like ZZ Top, I guess. But uh, so we get there, and of course, you know, the actual main event doesn't start. The main concert doesn't start till about nine or whatever. Uh, so we we get there pretty early, and they've got all these festivities going on. And uh, they have a mechanical bull there. And so me and Micah go and we ride to go and ride the mechanical bull. And we show up. And what happened, Micah? We knew the people operating the mechanical bull. So funny enough, the same people that were operating this mechanical bull had come out to our church at one point to operate this mechanical bull. So imagine their face when they see these two boys that they met at this Pentecostal church at a youth event, you know, very Jesus-y, 
And then we're at this very secular concert. And trust me, as the story progresses, you'll realize why it's very secular. And I just remember they were kind of like, what are y'all doing here? Yeah, so, uh, and also, too, the way that they recognized us, that was during the Western wear phase. So, like, not a lot of people were wearing cowboy hats and boots around that time. So, that's also how they recognized us. And this was, again, my first secular concert, and I'd never been around a secular concert in that environment before I was, I wouldn't say sheltered, but I definitely maybe lived in a little bit more of a bubble. Um, and so we go there and, you know, of course everybody's drinking, which is fine. And there's this girl, like, I wouldn't say girl, she's more like maybe in her late twenties, early thirties. And she is just drunk, just absolutely drunk. And she comes up to me and she's like, I love your hat. Can I wear it? And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. And then she's like, will you take a picture with me wearing your hat? And I was like, Okay, so they took a picture of me and this random person wearing my cowboy hat, and I just thought it was really weird. But yeah, she was super drunk. So then they have a couple opening acts uh, get up there, and none of them were too good. And everybody was there to see this band named Unknown Henson, and we didn't know why. It was like a cult following. And so, Micah, tell them a little bit about why everyone was, had this cult following for Unknown Henson. Well, first of all, you know, we, of course, like Chris said, we didn't know who this guy was. It was a guy. And um, we knew it was kind of a weird cult following because we had seen his booth being set up with like merchandise and stuff. And he had kind of a logo looking thing, almost like a vampire with sideburns almost looking. And all these people in the crowd have tattoos on their wrist of like his logo on there. And so we're sitting there going, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but okay. And... I mean, even when you saw glimmers of him backstage, like the whole crowd just like started roaring for him. And we're like, who in the heck is this guy? Well, come to find out if you've ever watched um, Adult Swim, there was a show back in the day called the Squidbillies. And he was early on the Squidbillies, the voice actor for that. But he also had a band called Unknown Henson. And you should, I mean... I'm I'm promoting his music. You need to go and look at this stuff. We, of course, we didn't know who he was, so he gets on stage, and I mean, the dude's absolutely shredding the guitar, and he's an older guy. I mean, how old do you think he was, Chris? Probably in his seventies, huh? Let me put it to you this way: it was he was like a vampire Johnny Cash. That's like how he looked. He just kind of looked like a vampire Johnny Cash. That's how I'll describe him. Yeah, and he had you know the pointy teeth and. You know, that sort of thing. But he would sing these songs. And I remember, you know, we started picking up on these lyrics of like, what in the heck? And the, the main one was, um, and, you know, for, for those of you who are a little sensitive to this sort of thing, I apologize. But the song is called Your Man is Gay. And I didn't, you know, we didn't realize what it was. And then the whole crowd, you know, he starts singing. He's like, your band is. And then he turns the mic and the whole crowd just is like, gay, like really loud. And it was it was funny because he, you know, he had all these songs that are unique. They were comedy songs. They were comedy songs. They were all very unique. They were all making fun of something. They were all 
sometimes allegories. I mean, they were really funny songs. Yeah, his his whole thing was to uh, just, it was comedy. It was just parody songs. He It was kind of like Weird Al, more or less, but it wasn't really parodies. He was just doing it to you know, make fun of things and to give people a good laugh. Uh, and, I mean, his songs are pretty funny. Go listen. They're not for kids. I'll just put that out there right now. Uh, and so the night progresses. I think he was maybe like the second before Blackberry Smoke came on. And so then um, there I, I'm standing next to these people and uh, this lady just like is all getting into the music and I'm just chilling. Me and Michael are vibing and chilling. And uh, she leans over to me and she tells me that she's going to beat me up. And I'm just like, what? And she was like, yeah, I don't like the way you look. I'm going to beat you up. And I was just like, okay and so i go over to micah and i'm like hey bro can you switch places with me because like obviously this woman is drunk but she's like talking about beat me up and i'm just like not trying to make a scene right now so i switched places with him and i don't know if it was loud or if chris didn't say like why we switched spots or whatever but all of a sudden this lady you know the same lady leans over to me and she's drunk but she's happy but the next statement did not make sense she leans over to me and she goes, "I'm gonna kick your friends a," and a as in ass. He's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick your friends a," and she said it just like so nice and like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kick his a," and you're like, "Okay." And at that moment, I knew that's the exact reason that we switched spots. <laughs> yeah. So the crowd goes, uh, keeps going. Blackberry smoke finally comes on, and like I said, uh, there was, uh. This was my first non-Christian concert, so when Blackberry Smoke comes on, you know, they played, they were great, but everyone started uh, passing around uh, Mary Jane, for you kids that don't know what that is, ask your parents. Uh, they started passing around Mary Jane, and the whole place smelled like Mary Jane. I just remember leaning over to Mike, I was like, Mike, they're smoking Mary Jane. He was like, yeah, it's a worldly concert, what do you expect? And I was just like... Yeah, I guess so. But they played, and it was great, and I had a great time. I did not smoke Mary Jane, but it was a great time. <laughs> well, and then there was uh, another thing, too. We we noticed there was this lady over by this gate off to the side, and this these guys kept walking up to her, just random guys, and they would kind of go around the back corner, and then they would come back, and she'd be all kind of dishuffled and everything, and she would kind of clean her hair up and everything. Well, we, we finally realized what they were doing. And what was happening. And literally, I will just put it this way. Um, Chris's first secular concert was really and truly sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'll just say that. Chris, you got anything more to say about that concert? <laughs> we actually did get to meet the drummer of Blackberry Smoke. And we took a picture with him. And so it was it was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, the music was great. It was fun time. Uh, it was a memorable experience for sure. But uh, that's enough of that. What's up next, Bica? Oh, it's the Jelly Donut, Chris. And that's our jail report. What is that private pile? Sir, Jelly Donut, sir. A Jelly Donut? Dude, I got some stories this week, man. I got two of them, in fact. All right, bring it on. So, you know, I really went for the wildest, most outlandish story I could possibly find or stories I could possibly find about people getting arrested. So, the first story, there's this groom, okay? And he was in charge, put in charge from his wife to book the venue for their wedding. The night before the wedding, apparently, he did not 
he realized he did not actually book the venue the night before the wedding. So what did he do to rectify his mistake? He called it a bomb threat. <laughs> so all these people are showing up to their wedding, and he called a bomb threat so that the police were all over it and, of course, made everybody disperse so that nobody was able to say, oh, you didn't book the wedding for today. So literally, everybody disperses. Well, the police... Um, were on high alert because this was apparently in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And this was only 11 days after the Boston Marathon bombing. So they were just really on high alert. So when, when this guy made the bomb threat, they traced his phone back and he was arrested three days later uh, for making the bomb threat. And he ended up sending or spending a year in prison for it. Dang. Just, man, just to cover up the fact that he, uh, maybe he forgot to book the venue or whatever but that is that is actually wild uh side side note on boy meets world uh when Corey gets married uh his best man his brother eric that he actually like makes them think that they got reservations at this place but he actually crashed like another wedding and said oh yeah i'm mr williams when he really wasn't mr williams and they thought it was the williams wedding and they had to get out of there before the police showed up but dang bro that's crazy that he did all that i'm do you think he's still married after that? I don't know, man. It seems like he's got a quite the pattern of maybe trying to cover some things up. And I know the ladies don't tend to like that sort of thing. It tends to impact trust, and that kind of hurts relationships in the long run. So I, I don't want to speculate, but if I had to, no. I don't think they're still together. I honestly think that maybe if he had done it not around the Boston Marathon uh, bomb bombing, I think they maybe would have gave him like, and he would have told the story. I think maybe they would have given him like less time or maybe probation. Cause I mean, it's kind of funny, but then again, you can't believe that's the reason. I mean, that's a pretty unique reason of why he made the bomb threat and probably pretty believable, but considering the events that happened and the area it was in, they did not think that it was too funny at the time. Oh, I, I imagine not. And yeah, crazy story, but on to the next crazy story. This one's even crazier. So there was this Kansas man. Okay. And his neighbor had a pet tarantula, a pet spider. And so while he was out of town, um, the neighbor asked, the other neighbor, hey, can you watch my spider? And apparently they're, they were good friends. And so the guy said, sure, I'll watch the spider. No problem. So apparently the person watching the spider, so the friend here, got some sort of special emotional attachment to the spider. And pretty much what ended up happening is his neighbor comes back, wants his spider back, and the guy holds the spider hostage. And says, either you give me $500 or I keep the spider. And so, uh, basically, he tried to, you know, keep it and whatnot. And so, then it escalates to the point, because, of course, the owner says, no, I'm not giving you any money. That's my spider. Just give the spider back. And, apparently, it escalated to the point where the guy who is holding the spider hostage said, I will shoot you to the owner if if you don't let me have this spider. And that's when the guy called the police. And so he was charged for uh, threats and was sentenced to two years probation. But he did get, you know, did go to jail for a few days. But holding a spider hostage, Chris. 
I mean, I can understand if it was like a dog or a cat or a bird. Those are easy animals to like have attachments to, but a spider, I mean, goodness, like the fact that you were that attached to the spider that you were not going to give it back and then you t and then you told the owner pay me $500 for the spider so I can like buy a new spider, like Maybe that's what he wanted five hundred dollars for, but that's absolutely and I'll use my favorite word, asinine. <laughs> that's absolutely asinine. Yeah. The I, I think it's insane. I mean, I couldn't imagine going on a trip and then, you know, your next door neighbor who you entrusted with your pet is now holding your pet hostage for either money and then after a while, you're like, no, I'm not giving you any money. Then they say, oh, well, I'll shoot you if you don't let, let me have it. I mean, that's a little nuts. Um, that's a little much to come home to, I would think. I I don't understand people. Uh, maybe there was more to the spider. I don't know. But listen, I wouldn't catch no charge over a tarantula, just saying. Here's my thing. How, maybe he sent it over text or something, but I was like, how did they have the actual evidence to like charge him and stuff? Maybe it was over text. I don't know. Or maybe he had a voice recording. But I'm just like, if it was just a he said, she said, or whatever thing then that's not much, but to actually hold the spider ransom, and I don't know. I, I think that's why he probably didn't go to jail for a long time. There probably was mostly, like, he said, she said stuff, and maybe he admitted to part of it, right? I mean, maybe the police came out, and he said, yeah, that's, no, that's my spider, and he's going to pay me $500 or something, right? And end up implicating himself. I, I don't know the situation surrounding it all i know is the dude hold us held a spider hostage never knew that was a thing it must you know the first for everything i guess i thought that you were going to tell me that like he accidentally killed the spider and then like he went to jail for killing the spider kind of like uh in the office whenever dwight checks on angela's cat and then he kills her but i thought that's what you were going to say but i didn't know that he was actually going to hold the spider hostage i'm not a spider fan to be honest with you i would not i would not have any attachment to a spider but i mean different strokes for different folks i guess i guess i guess i but yeah that's our uh that's our jelly donut some interesting stories huh yeah those are really interesting i think that the one about boston about him <laughs> faking a bomb threat just so that he could not get in trouble with his wife i think that's uh that's really funny all i have to say is uh I, it reminds me of that show King of Queens. It seems like something the husband Doug would do to try to get out of, you know, <laughs> his wife finding out. It seems like something he would do. I don't, I don't know. Or Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond. I could see them making a joke about that, like making it a whole episode and making it funny. I could see that happening. I could see that too. By the way, and we're going off topic for a moment here. Did you know that... King of Queens was a spinoff of Everybody Loves Raymond. I did not know that. I knew Doug, uh, Doug Heffernan or whatever was a character on there a couple of times, but I didn't know that it was a spinoff. Yeah, and he, you know he was a truck driver, and he was like Ray's friend in s several episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond. And apparently, the ratings did so well for Kevin James, the guy who played Doug Heffernan, to the point where he got his own spinoff show. Kind of interesting. Normally, people with that limited of a role don't get spinoff shows. But anyways, 
Eh, a little side story there. But that was our jelly donut. So on to our next segment, which is the donut hole. We're going to be talking about somewhat of the same thing we were just talking about. So remember a couple weeks ago, Chris, I said I was going to watch some movies. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I did. And, you know, there were some good ones in there. I'm, I'm just going to say we talked a little bit about Star Wars a couple, couple times ago. The Phantom Menace is underrated. Just saying. A lot of people, for whatever reason, don't like that movie or don't like the prequels. I think the first one, I think The Phantom Menace is pretty darn good. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't like it. Number one, they don't like Jar Jar. Which, if you go into the whole uh, Jar Jar Binks conspiracy theory, then The Phantom Menace makes sense. If George Lucas was actually going to use that theory, but he kind of had to scrap it because everybody hated Jar Jar. Number two, I think everybody hated the fact that George Lucas used went kind of crazy with CGI. Like, of course, it was revolutionary at the time, but the man just like puked and breathed CGI. So he went a little crazy over that, but I digress. But Phantom Menace is great. One of the best soundtracks of all time. One of the best fighting soundtracks, Duel of Fate by the amazing John Williams will never be, uh, it will never be rivaled. Yeah, it's, it's very good. I mean, the soundtrack's good. Um, Chris and I really like Darth Maul side story. We actually went, uh, whenever they, you know, redid the Phantom Menace in digital and they took it to the theaters. We actually went and, uh, whenever Darth Maul arrived, we both stood up and cheered for him. Darth Maul was a really good character. I really wish that, um, you know, most Siths got two movies, like Count Dooku got two movies, right? Like he got the whole second one pretty much as the villain, and then part of the third one. I wish Darth Maul wouldn't have been killed off so quickly. I wish he would have had a part in another movie or something like that. I know he was in the like the Clone Wars series, and his story was expanded upon there, but I really wish that he would have been in those main movies instead of killed off so quickly. Cause I mean, his persona, his character, and I mean, he was very quick and concise with the, with the storyline. As far as doing his job, he did his job really well of what he needed to do in that movie. So yeah, if you go back to the whole Jar Jar Binks conspiracy thing that Jar Jar is the, uh, evil, evil emperor's like, master and stuff then it makes sense that they killed darth maul uh off really quickly and then they had to scrap for a lame count dooku and then you know of course emperor palpatine and darth vader are the ones in episode three but anyways i could get talking about it all day but we're not here for that yeah no so ended up watching the phantom menace um i did skip the clone wars and then i ended up watching the third one um, the Revenge of the Sith. I'm going to reveal something right now on the Donut Box podcast. It still tears me up, man. That scene when they're on the... Uh, I almost said the Forest Moon Indoor, but it's not there. It's when they're on that lava planet. I forget what it's called. Um, Mustafar. Mustafar. There you go. When they're on Mustafar, and, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin have the whole fight, and, you know, is you know, they go into... You were like my brother. And it was just like, oh, man. It always gets me. It always tears me up inside because I'm just... You, you just look and... I don't know. To me, the whole storyline escalates quickly. If you've never seen Star Wars before and you don't know what we're talking about, please watch it. It's it's great storyline. Um, I would just watch the original six, if you would. 
the Disney ones I'm not a big fan of. We've talked about that before. Um, but the third one is really good. I think that's the best one of all, personally. It loops everything together. Um, the effects were great. The acting was great. I mean, there are a lot of people that will uh, disagree with you on that, but I'm not going to play devil's advocate. I I know the arguments, and I know all that good stuff. And uh, there are people that will say that the prequels were awful, and there are people that will say that the originals are boring and to each his own. So you appreciate what you appreciate. Like I said, different strokes for different folks. I Like I said, I could go on for on ever and ever, but we don't have that much time. <laughs> so the other movie I watched um, that we didn't talk about before, so I did watch Night at the Roxbury. I did watch Flight of the Phoenix, um, like we had talked about in the previous episodes here. I watched Gran Torino again. Um, and for those of you who haven't seen Gran Torino, gosh, that's a great movie. I like Clint Eastwood a lot. But... Especially in this one, I mean, yeah, the acting is really good. The storyline is really good. As bad as it is, uh, the ending of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but it was supposed to be the end of Clint Eastwood's career. It was supposed to be a symbolic thing of his career ending. And then he went and did some baseball movies and <laughs> some other stuff afterwards. I really wish it would have ended on that movie because that was such a high note for him, personally. But I understand when you're an actor, you, I mean, it doesn't stop. You don't want to stop. So I, I get it. But um, if you haven't seen it, Gran Torino, really good movie. What do you think about that movie, Chris? Uh, I think it's a really good movie. Uh, fair warning, it does have a lot of racial slurs. But the, and language. And language. But the use of the racial slurs by Clint Eastwood, it's kind of like, character development because he is like a prejudiced old man that fought like in the Korean war and I think, or Vietnam it's one, he fought in one of the Asian wars, but, uh, and he's like racist and jaded towards Asian people. And then you can see him kind of opening up his shell and connecting with, uh, a young Asian kid. And like, he's trying to help make the neighborhood better because it's like taken over by gangs and stuff. And like, he has this kid that like, he's trying to mentor just lost his, uh, just lost his wife and his kids. They're just kind of trying to leech on him for the money and stuff. But I mean, I think it's really good from a character development standpoint. Uh, the ending is really, really good. Uh, it, it makes you think it's going to play out one way and then it plays out a whole different way. And it is really good. Um, and like you said, it, it was supposed to be symbolic of Clint Eastwood's career at the same time. But I mean, when you're retired, I've never been retired, but I hear when you're retired, you can't just sit at home and chill. So I'm sure he got antsy and wanted to do another movie. And, uh, so, I mean, he's, he's a great actor. So, yeah, he really is. And so I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Like I said, I, you kind of wish he would go out on that high note. Cause like you said, that ending is very good. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, go go see it. You know, I've watched some classics. Um, last one was uh, your one of your and I's favorite here is uh, the campaign with Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah, that campaign is hilarious. Um, like I've told you guys before, Will Ferrell is hit or miss for me. There are some times where he is just straight up annoying and I can't watch him for too much, but the campaign is hilarious. I think Zach Galifianakis makes the movie and the essential storyline is, is there is an incumbent, a guy that's just a typical politician and he's running for reelection in North Carolina. And of course they make fun of the South. Uh, 
South United States. I forget. Sometimes we have listeners over there in Europe, but South United States. And uh, then Zalek, Zach Galifianakis' characters, he's just this average Joe Smo, and he's like, I'm tired of the way things are going, and I'm going to change what's going on. And like, he actually gets reelected, or not reelected, he actually gets nominated because the people that actually control the elections just kind of want a dummy candidate just for the fall. But he actually ends up doing pretty good. And it's pretty hilarious. Uh, I think it's a pretty hilarious movie. Um, and it has so many quotable moments. It's like a night at the Roxbury. There's so many quotable moments, but you know, Zach Galifianakis's character is very soft spoken. And so, um, he has this catchphrase and it's just a quintessential political catchphrase, but the way he says it is hilarious. And he's sitting there, and I'm bringing my broom because it's a mess. <laughs> he always says it like that. And, um, you know, that's just a it's it's funny because if you ever follow politics to any sort, it makes fun of the whole entire process. And it's it's very funny. So I would go see that if I were you. But, yeah, uh, those are some of the movies I watched. Um, I figured I would update it was more of a donut hole update, if you will. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And anytime Michael goes and sees movies, that's great. I, Like I said, I consider myself a movie buff, so I'm watching movies all the time. And I'll tell you all about a really good movie that I watched next week on the donut hole. It was great. I did not expect it to be as good as it was, but it was good. But I'll talk about that on the donut hole uh, next time. Uh, so, yeah, I, I will say this. Going back last last little tidbit before we end this segment i will say this going back to grand torino my personal opinion clint eastwood is is great is a great actor but i think he's a better writer and a better director than he is an actor and that's just my opinion i can see it he's had a lot of very good movies where he's been behind the scenes and he's been able to set things up he's a very good visionary so i can definitely see yep so our next segment is what fries my donuts? Micah, do you know what fries my donuts? Chris, what has the grease turned up today? Well, it kind of, it kind of like piggybacks onto your story from last week about that lady that just kind of wanted money for helping you and she just kind of inserted herself into the situation. Uh, but what really fries my donuts is pushy people. And now I'm not talking about specifically just people that insert themselves into situations what i'm specifically talking about most of the time is salesmen uh and micah and i have both uh been in commission jobs or people that are just trying to push a product on you and that really fries my donuts let me give you an example we all have been to the mall and i'm pretty sure all malls are the are set up the same and we all they all have those kiosks with people that are either selling shoe cleaner like trying to clean your shoes or the people that sell like the dead sea uh like scrub that like kind of makes your hands better and like they're always trying to like get you or people that are selling cell phones like in those kiosks they're always like trying to get you in and trying to reel you in and they're all like or they're trying to sell you a chain there's someone where they're selling you a chain yeah or they're trying to sell you a chain and they're like trying to reel you in and they're like sir sir can i talk to you and then if number one rule if you're in those situations don't make eye contact okay i know it's very rude but don't make eye contact because once you make eye contact they reel you in and for people that like 
are like me and have a hard time saying no to people I don't make eye contact. And then number two, people that are like trying to upsell you products. Like I went for an oil change like maybe a month ago. And like this guy was like trying to sell me all these products. I took it to somewhere that I normally don't take it. Oh, I take mine to Jiffy Loop, but that's besides the point. Um, and he was just trying to sell me all these services. And he was like, yeah, he was like, your coolant hasn't been flushed out. And, all, and telling me all these things that were wrong, quote unquote, with my car, but that I knew was not wrong. And he was trying to like sell me all this stuff. And I'm just like, bro, like quit trying to be pushy. When I tell you no, that should mean no. And then I get it's your job and you're trying to work off commission. Me and Micah have been there. It's very stressful when you work just off commission. But if we tell you no, stop. And I totally get that. But see, the thing is, working commission, there's there's still a way that you can do it without pushing it on people and without annoying the, the mess out of people. You know, I mean, I feel like you can upsell people. But you can show them the logic instead of being like, hey, you need this because of da 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 da. You can always tell them, hey, it's up to you. You know, I've always noticed it's easier if you say, hey, it's up to you, really. But I would take these inserts because, you know, we're talking about boot corral mainly. That's where we were both commissioned at. But, you know, take these shoe inserts. That boot's going to get pretty uncomfortable after a while without these inserts. Oh, okay, perfect. And, you know, even if they say, no, not this time. Okay, well, maybe next time. And you wouldn't believe how many people actually came back and actually, you know, you know what? You were right. Okay, cool. And then you have them and basically anytime you sell them anything, you can upsell them from then on out because they're going to trust what you're saying. But no, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I even had one today. It was over at a relative's house and these people came asking about, you know, who's your pet pest control service? You know, can we come inside and talk about pest control? No, you can't come inside and talk about pest control services. You know, my thing is, they already told you, we have a service, we're happy with the service, leave us alone. You know, I don't know. My my biggest thing, too, is what, what day and age we're in right now, why do we still have door-to-door -door salesmen? That's my question. I think those are... I think those are companies that uh, that are just not up with the times and they just are kind of aging out and stuff like that. Here's another thing I don't understand, and I don't know if you've ever been here, but when you're going to, to the car wash and it has the self-serve machine, right? It has the automated machine and then someone comes out and they're like pushing the buttons for you and they're asking you all these questions and trying to upsell. I'm like, why do you have the self-service machine? I can basically push the button to do it myself and you're out here trying to sell me the unlimited membership yeah um <laughs> I, I do have experience with that you know what i always tried to do i always tried to pull up and start pressing the buttons quickly as possible because you know if you if they catch you already doing that they're not going to touch the screen and they won't try to upsell you they'll say oh you already got it okay cool have a nice day and i try to do it quickly but sometimes you're just not fast enough sometimes they run out there and start doing it for you no, that's not true because I have been in the middle of doing it and then they like take over and they've, and they've like done it. I'm like, I'll be pushing the buttons and they're like, okay, this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, I got this. Like, I don't understand. We're kind of wasting money for your position right now. But, and then I don't understand this too. When you go to a restaurant and it's like you're ordering from, and they're, you're not like having table service. They're not like filling your drinks. They're not like waiting on you, but like you just simply go and order at a restaurant where you order it and they bring it out to you. And then they ask you for it if you want to leave a tip. And I'm just like, 
bro, like, you just showed up for your job, and you're getting paid to be cashier. I don't understand why you want a tip. I don't get that. Yeah, because, I mean, most other places, unless you're out there waiting tables and you're making less than minimum wage and you're working off of tips, I mean, my thing is, if you're making a base salary and it's not that way, I mean, why am I giving you a tip? I'm the one that had to take the tray and get my own drink and, you know, I'm thinking of that place buns over Texas right now, but, um, you know, I had to get my own drink. I had to put the pickles on my own burger and everything. Hell, if anybody should be tipped, I should be tipping myself. Exactly. Well, about pushy salesman. I remember one time I had like signed up at this store and it was like entered to win a $25 gift card. And so I, I did. And they like called me and they were like, Hey, just show up to this gym and we'll give you your gift card. Right. I didn't realize that they were trying to push a gym membership on me. And they were like, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk with you. And they were like doing their whole spill and pitch. And I was just like, you know what? I'm really not interested in a gym membership right now. And I remember the guy just like would not take no for an answer. And I just told him, I was like, well, I need to go home and think about it. Uh, like I'm trying to save up for some trips and stuff like that. I was like, I just need to go home and do uh, think about it. He was like, well, why would you want to do that? And I was just like, all right, bro. Like you're just being pushing you know and that's that's how a lot of that stuff is um one last story here i mean i saw a commercial actually i was driving uber primarily for my job and there was a you know i had an older car uh, and i heard a ad on the radio for one of these you know basically you pay for this insurance every month if your engine blows out or something like that they'll take care of it for you so i thought you know, I might check around and see how expensive something like this would be. Don't ever do that. Just FYI, don't ever do that. Because they will spam the crap out of you trying to sell this service to you. And it is really, really expensive. Like, I'll put it to this way. It was to the tune of $400 a month. And they were sitting there, you know, and I'm sitting here going, oh, yeah, I definitely can't afford that. You know, they're trying to slash $100 bills off left and right, trying to make it affordable to you. And that's another red flag, too, if you're on a consumer's end and they're slashing $100 bills left and right. I mean, that's a that's a bad sign already, too. Um, but they do not take no for an answer. You know, well, what happens tomorrow? Your car goes out. You know, they just try to just really try to just pressure sell you and get that fear. And the sad part is, you know, it works on a lot of people. You know, it works on a lot of people and they're basically getting their money took from it. And that's uh, I think that's what bothers me the most about that sort of thing is you're sitting there thinking um, these guys are basically robbing me or trying to rob me of money um, trying to give me a product i really don't want or need yeah exactly so uh you know i get trying to do a job and trying to be a good salesman but if you're really a good salesman you're not gonna have to push your stuff on people so uh that's all i got to say unless you got something else to say just like michael scott says it's all it, it's nothing's worse than listening to a or for a good salesman to listen to a bad salesman Nothing's worse than that. I'm telling you, you listen to a bad salesman and, you know, I, I do consider myself a pretty good salesman and listening to some of these people, you're just like, oh my gosh, you need work <laughs> anyways. Well, well, good, good salesmen are good people, people, uh, people, people. That sounds really weird, but yeah, he was a really good salesman. He was top salesman, uh, at boot corral a couple of times, uh, for a while. So, uh, Shout out Big Flex. But our next segment is 
the mystery donut, which is our improv segment. What do we got on the improv segment today, Micah? Today we have something totally new, totally new. So, um, as both of, as we all know, the both of us are Christian and we're raised very staunchly Christian. So we figured we both will give each other a passage of scripture, and we're going to give the hood translation of it. And what's our what's our acronym for the hood translation of the Bible, Chris? It's going to be the HLV, Hoodlations Version. The Hoodlations Version. Okay. So, Chris, um, who do you want to go first? Or I'll, I'll let you go first. I'm going to give you... Uh, I'm going to give you the Bible story of David and Goliath. That's a pretty famous one that people know. What if I don't know it? No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, since this is a new segment, we haven't even talked about how we're going to frame this, so we're working it out on the fly. That's the beautiful part about improv. I I think I'll I'll tell a little part of the story, and then you can give the translation after I give the little chunk of the story. That works with me. All right, here we go. David and Goliath. All right. Now, Israel was in a big fight with the Philistines, and they sent out this giant man named Goliath. So they were in this fight, right? And what ended up happening was they ended up sending his homeboy, Big Q, over there. King Saul and all the Israelites were super scared, and no one wanted to fight Goliath. And Goliath, every day, would come out there and taunt them. So Big Q go out there to their neighborhood, and you know what they ended up saying? He said, you ain't got enough for me. And they said, you right, Big Q. We ain't even gonna try to F with you today. David's father sent him to go bring some food to his brothers on the front lines. So he said, hey, go get them some food. So they end up getting them some barbecue. They sat down. They had themselves some food on the front porch. And Goliath came out and he said, none of you Israelites can beat me. I'm tired of you and your God. He ain't nothing. He came out there, and Big Q said, that's my barbecue. Let me tell you that right now. Also, this is my porch, and the God you prayed to, oh yeah, bump that guy too. And David said, why is this guy mocking, mocking our God? Is anybody going to do anything about it? David said, who you talking mess about? My God? You ain't going to talk mess about my God. Now you got problems. David went up to King Saul and said, I'll kill him for you. And King Saul said, if you do that, I'll give you a whole bunch of land and you get to marry one of my daughters. So then David goes up to King Saul and you know what he says to him? He says, listen, I'll take care of Big Q for you, but you're going to have to give me a little kickback. And you know what ended up what happened? King Saul said, you bet you I'll give you a kickback. I'll give you a brick and a half and then I'm going to give you some hoes. So then David went to the stream and took out five smooth stones and he went up to Goliath and said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. So he said, let's go up to the ammunition and get some, get some ammo for my piece. And then, so he goes over there and he says, listen, I got three in the chamber. You want to play roulette? My God will win every time, I bet. And then David hurled that slingshot hit Goliath right in the forehead, Goliath collapsed, and David took his sword and cut his head off. So ended up what happened was, David said, bop, 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 right to his face, and ended up, he didn't get like 50 cent, he went down like a sack of potatoes in the story. Yep, that's the end of that story. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, man. Well, well what you, 
What'd you think of that translation? I think Chris? that was a pretty good translation. I don't know how people are going to receive this, but we're, we'll see how it goes. Hey, this is a little edgy for the Donut Box podcast. It's a joke. It's a joke. All right, Chris, here's my story for you. We're going to do Noah's Ark. Okay. Because most people know Noah's Ark. So are you ready? I'm ready. So the Lord came to Noah. It said, you must build this ark. A flood's coming. Big G went up to Lil' N and said, Hey, homie, I'm about to flood the whole earth with all this water. You better get ready and get yourself a little boat or you gonna go under. So then, next thing you know, Noah says, Well, hey, where am I going to get the lumber and the timber? Where, how am I going to build this? Lil' N said, That's cool and everything, but where am I going to get the wood and all that stuff? I ain't got the membership down at the Home Depot. And the Lord said, I will provide it for you. And the wood will be taken care of. The Lord said, don't even worry about that. I'm sending 85 food stamps your way. It ain't even going to be no problem. It ain't going to be no thing but a chicken wing. Meanwhile, everybody from Noah's community laughed and laughed when they heard that he's building this ginormous ark. All the homies in the hood was clowning on Little End because they said, fool, you crazy. It ain't going to be no flood. I don't even know water going to drop from the sky. Boy, you bull crapping right now. So Noah gets to work. He builds the ark to the specifications that the Lord has provided. And the ark is finished. And the Lord says, now two of every animal shall come and be in the ark. The end was busting it up and cutting it down, all the wood, working hard and hard, working working it up a sweat. And then the big G told him, hey, little Ed, you got to bring two of everybody on a boat. All the little chickens, all the little dogs, all the little homies got to come on. So as it ended up happening, two of each animal started coming to the boat, started lining up, and Noah started letting them in. All these little homies came lining up two by two, and then if there was three of them, Lillian said, nah, homie, you got to get to the back of the line. There ain't no room on this boat. So after all the animals are aboard, Noah then sees the rain clouds coming, and the Lord says, it shall rain, and it started to rain. Little N got on the boat, he looked out the window, and said, oh, heck, nah, it's about to rain up in this mug, I better get everybody up in her. So, once he shut the door, and the rain started, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Little N was chilling in the big boat, and it kept on raining and raining and raining. And he kicked back with a big old 40 and some cigarillos. Noah then sent his dove. And the dove came back and gave him an olive branch. Showing that the flood was almost over. Lil' Ian sent out his bird to go out there and see if he could get a little, little grass to be rolled up. And he rolled up some grass and he knew that there was no more flood. Everything dried up and the Lord presented them with a rainbow that showed that he would never flood the earth again. Big G said, all right, little N, since you've been so down for everything, I'm going to give you this little peace sign so that you know that I'll never, ever, ever do some messed up stuff like that again. Now, Chris, I'm going to tell you right now, it was so hard to be clean during that. That was the hardest segment to be clean in. I'm just letting you know right now. I'm just going to say, well, never mind. These do not reflect the views of Trash Can or our personal beliefs. But hey, maybe people will start reading the Bible now. But anyways, our last segment is our eclair, which is our positive advice. Uh, I am going to go first since Michael went first last time, and I'll make it. I was about to say, I, I, went, I went first like the last two times, so it's all you. 
it's hard for me to keep track. Uh, so my uh, my eclair is to celebrate other people and to let other people have their moment. As humans, sometimes when we're talking and we're letting other people talk, we prepare our responses versus listening. And whenever someone shares a story, we oftentimes we try to share another story that will like one up each other and we do it without realizing it but sometimes people just need their moment to shine and everything is not all about you and let people have their moment and what seems like a big deal uh to someone else may not be a big deal to you but that's a big deal to them like maybe they're getting their first check from their first job you know and maybe they've never been able to hold down a steady job before like to you that might not be a big deal but to them that's a huge deal so make sure you celebrate other people and let them have their moments and don't don't upstage them don't take away their thunder and you know i've been i've been guilty of upstaging people on accident it's really easy to do like chris said sometimes when people are having their moments you want to give a story or give a time in your life or something similar has happened. And it's not to be, at least in my case, it's not to one-up people, but it's to relate to them and to let them know, hey, I've been through something similar, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. And sometimes that can land wrong, um, just depending, especially if the other person perceives that maybe you're trying to tell a better story than theirs or whatnot. So just be careful of that. But my eclair for the week is uh, try to be agile in life. I mean, it's really, really hard, okay? Most of us do not like change. That's just the human nature thing. We just do not like change at all. But I have experienced some things just the last few days uh, between other people. And, um, you know, not not to brag, but I can be pretty well adjusted at times. And a lot of times when something happens... I'm able to pivot if it's not exactly a part of my plan very quickly. And I have to remember that some people just, it takes a lot longer. And yes, there are things in front of their face, but just the sheer fact that things are not going according to plan makes it hard. And I understand that it makes it hard, but being agile and being able to adjust on the fly is a very, very good key component to have. So stress is a killer, okay? Stress is really bad. And try to eliminate as much stress as you can by being agile, by being free-floating. And if things aren't working out quite like you are, realize that you're in a moment of stress. And try to look at yourself in the moment and try to realize it's always worked out in the past. It always will work out in the past. Let's just, you know, we're in this spot. Let's just adjust from it. You can only control what you can control and just move forward from it. Yeah, I heard uh, this saying that when you stress over something, you're actually putting yourself through it twice. Uh, If you're stressing over something that hasn't even happened yet. But yeah, it's good to be agile and to to be flexible. I mean, you know, I've learned that not everything is going to go according to plan and the sooner you realize that, the better. But uh, yeah, so we have enjoyed this podcast. We have enjoyed number 27. Hey, we're going to keep bringing those to you. Shout out to all of our listeners, even in Ireland and uh, Belgium. They've been so consistent. So thank you, guys. Uh, TVTrashCan.com. There are some new shows on there. Go check them out. I checked them out this week. Some good stuff, some good uh, murder mysteries, and uh, the world tour of poker. Park, uh, sorry, Dark Knight Park Poker. Late night poker, whatever yeah. it is, that helps with your casino 
gambling addiction. <laughs> yes, it does. It helps teach me what to actually do so I don't lose so much. Well, I we are going to sign off. So I'm Chris. And I'm Micah. And we hope that you have a wonderful week. This is the Donut Box Podcast. See y'all next week.